tell you a little secret about myself. I invited my hygienist, so I hope she's not here, but there's really nothing I like about the dentist. Okay? They take my money, they inflict pain, and they make me feel guilty about not flossing all year. Well, this past week, you turn me down just a hair, Jeremy. This past week was x-ray visit. Y'all all know x-ray visit, right? It's been two or three years, Heath, since you had your x-ray. Now we've got this new fancy panoramic x-ray. And all that's going through my mind is cha-ching, 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 <laughs> right? Y'all know it because you've been there. But when you're going through the book of James, you learn things. And so this week, I embraced it. I realized that going to the dentist is a means to an end. I realized that I want my teeth to last until I die. I'm not sure. I haven't read this in scripture. I don't know that I need them in heaven, but I really want them here and they really help out a lot. So I decided to embrace it and take whatever recommendation they gave me because I trust her to tell me what she thinks I should do. There's a lot of places we're going to go in life, and there's a lot of things we're going to do in life where it might just be a means to an end. Work can be a means to an end. You get a paycheck. School can be a means to an end. You get a diploma. The gym is a means to an end. You get a smaller waistline. Some of these things are good means to end. We can go off the deep end, and some of them can be bad. But God uses means too. He uses us as individuals. He uses us in each other's lives. He also uses events in our lives. He uses places in our lives. He uses things in our lives to examine us in the faith. He calls these trials. We call them headaches. What we believe truly does determine how we interpret and respond to trials. If we're too focused on this life with what we have in front of us, we will view trials as setbacks, hiccups in our plans. In our striving for the perfect life, or maybe better said, the easy life, we forget this life will never be perfect, and it's not intended to be easy, especially for you, beloved. This can cause us to crumble if we have this mindset. If we think that it's going to be easy, then we might lose everything when we lose our health or our finances or we lose family or we lose friends or we lose happiness. But beloved, there's hope for you. This is not your case. This is not your sentence. Trials do not make you crumble. They should cause you to rejoice. A means to maturity is my title today. Trials are a means to maturity. And they're tailor-made for each one of us. My hope today is that I will offer the many of us in this room that are going through trials. Hope. Comfort. And peace. And I intend to do that by showing you three truths to trust in trials. Don't try to say that five times. Three truths to trust in trials. We're teaching through the book of James on Wednesday night. So if you would please open your Bibles to James chapter 1. 
As I started talking, y'all were all like, oh yeah, he's in James. I've been there. I've spent time there. Let's read our passage today. James 1, verses 2 to 4. God says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Father of lights, we thank you, Lord, that you see fit to show us a way to follow you. We pray, God, today that uh, your spirit would do its work. Father, I pray for the preacher to get out of the way and let your word do what it does. I pray, Lord, that you would give our congregation ears to hear. I pray for the lost soul here today to hear the truth of joy and hope and salvation in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray it all knowing that you hear our prayers, and we pray it all through the name of Christ. Amen. A means to maturity. A couple of things to note before we dive in today. You're not getting the benefit of my first lecture on one one, so let's do a little bit of background here. In one, James tells us who he is, and he tells us who he's writing to. He's writing to 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. They've been scattered from where they were. Jews that had been displaced, forced out of where they were comfortable, of where they had jobs, of where they had families. And so you can imagine the reason James starts with trials is because they were surely facing them. Second, we need to know without a shadow of a doubt that trials are certain. Look at our verse in verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren, not if you encounter various trials, but when you encounter various trials. When you experience those things that test your faith, don't be shocked. Be prepared. Know that trials are coming. No matter how long you've been in the faith, you will experience trials. The third thing I want to point out before we dive into our truths is that trials come in all shapes and sizes. Various kinds is what our text says. Various trials, I should say. So whether it's singing in the youth choir that makes you shake in your boots, or whether it's facing a terminal illness that makes you shake, they're all tailor-made for each one of us, exactly where we are, at exactly the right time, For God's exact intended purpose. So, three truths to trust in trials. Number one, trials offer joy. Verse two, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. When trials come, if you're like me, I'm prone to Wander. I'm prone to fear, doubt, be stricken with worry and anxiety. What's going to happen? What's the end result? Well, I'm here to tell you today that there is an offer on the table when trials come. The question is, do you consider this offer when you're 
pushed, when you're prodded, when you're poked. The offer is joy. God commands it, in fact. God says, consider it all joy. Count it all joy. Weigh what you're going through. Think about the things that are happening in your life right now. And have joy. Well, that's that's hard. But he is providing an opportunity for great joy and for great rejoicing. Because this doesn't look like in your life just a happy smile. This is a joy that's deep down in your heart, in your soul. It's that calming feeling of slowing down when you get that bad news. It's that thoughtfulness of how is God using this in my life? It's seeking the source of strength for strength. It takes effort. It takes preparation. This is not the natural response to trials. This is not the response that your flesh wants to take to struggles, to hardships. It's hard indeed. But we hit our knees. We pray. We talk to our God. We read his word. We listen to what he has to say. We call other believers and we fellowship with them. So I think it's important that we have this certain mindset that trials will come and we need to be prepared for them. None of us in this room knows what lies ahead tomorrow. None of us. Only the creator of the universe does. And so we should be mindful of each other. Most of us in this room don't know what's going on with everybody else in the room. We have no idea what trials or hardships each other are facing. But some of us do, and we pray for each other. So think about that as we interact with each other. Hey, I don't know what happened to this person today. But I could ask a question. Prayer, reading, fellowship. Those are the keys to being able to start this joy in your life. But James tells us in verse 3 that this joy isn't from the greatness of, hey, I will be in eternity one day. This joy actually comes from knowing that this test or trial you're going through right now, it's not, it's not about you, it's about your faith. And it's being pushed and it's being prodded because God is trying to produce endurance in you. You see, God wants you to make it to the end. He wants you to be with him in heaven. And positionally, we are right and ready. We've been declared righteous. But actually, we have a lot of work to be done. Because we still have a lot of sin inside of us. So God offers us joy in knowing that he is at work. That he has not forgotten about us. That he will finish what he starts. Whatever it takes, the Lord will bring you to completion. I took that from our pastor this week. Whatever it takes, the Lord will bring you to completion. Why? Because he doesn't fail. He doesn't save anybody that won't make it to the end. You can be sure of that. 
He is unfailing. He is unchanging. He is unwavering. He is unbelievable. Because the thing that he puts in your life that causes you worry and anxiety and joy, he intends it for your good. He intends it to strip you and break you. See, during trials, we have to remember that our absolute security from the beginning of our walk with God to the end of our walk with God lies in one man, Christ Jesus. When we remember this, joy will bloom and blossom inside of us. When we remember that he has bought us, when we remember that he has sought us, we will find joy in knowing that he's at work, that he's doing what he does. See, God doesn't have to show up to work every day and preach to himself, okay, do all things for my glory today, like we do. God does all things for his glory. He's doing it in all of your lives right now through various trials and tribulations. He led us to the cross. He doesn't leave us there. He brings us the whole way. What a great God. So a truth that we can cling to, a truth that we can trust is that God does offer joy in trials. God uses those trials, like I said, to strip us of worldly pleasures, to focus our eyes on something that's way more beautiful than anything this world could offer. He wants us to turn our eyes Upon him. It's kind of like refinishing a piece of furniture. Probably got some woodworkers in here. This pulpit, in fact, was made by a Mr. Uh, Durwood Grisham. It's been refinished since then. And when it was refinished, you have to, you have to strip it down, right? You have to take the old coat off. You have to sand it, right? Some of you are being sanded right now. Some of you are being sanded with 400 grit and it doesn't hurt that much. And some of you have 50 grit going on right now in your lives. He's sanding you. He's working it down. He's getting you to where he wants you. Face down. Laid out. Totally dependent on him. But you're not done when you sand it. You have to prime it. Then you have to apply paint. Or stain. One coat. Two coats. Three coats. It's ne- it never looks perfect. God's work does. But you don't skip steps. If you skip steps, it looks really bad. We can be assured God does not skip steps. And so the joy comes in knowing that every trial that he has placed in your life is there for an intended purpose. That's something you can have joy in. Trials are not the end. They will not destroy you. They are God's means to his plan. You see, you will be tried. You will, in fact, be broken. But you will never be separated from God. He's the glue. He's the putty. He's the finish that holds you together. Ultimately, we can have joy in trials because there is no trial that's bigger than our biggest problem. Our sin problem. And God's taking care of that one too. He's defeated everything that could ever defeat you on the cross. 
That's a great joy. So truth number one, trials offer joy. Truth number two, to trust, trials require dependence. Look at verse three. He tells us, consider it all joy. You're going to encounter trials, but it's okay because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. The endurance is the intended result of every trial. What gets you through it is faith and trust and dependence on God. Knowing, right? Not just having the facts, not just opening your Bible, but actually believing every word that God tells us in it. You see, trials will strain your commitment to God. Trials will force you into panic mode. I don't care who you are. I don't care how strong a believer you are. There is a trial out there that will force you to panic. But God's saying, don't panic. Depend on me. You see, for you to make it through this trial, it requires dependence. Not something that you can do on your own, but something that only comes through me. It makes us put into practice all those Sunday school classes that we sit through and all those sermons that we listen to. It's a lot like exercise equipment or the gym. I'm looking at buying an exercise bike and I know all it's going to do is sit there and be a clothes hanger. Right? Buying the bike does not get me in better shape and does not get me fit to go skiing this year. Hanging my clothes on it will not accomplish those goals. I'm going to have to depend on that bike. I'm actually going to have to get on it, sit on it, and ride it. And know that if I do that consistently, if I keep going back to it time after time, morning after morning, that I will get to the intended end that I want. Think about it here. He's Look at the text. He's testing our faith. This is not a pass-fail test. This is not a, hey, okay, if you make it through this trial, you're a Christian. If you don't, you're not. That's not what he's saying here. It's a testing. It's a, it's a pushing of your faith. Think about a test. Some of y'all, it's been a long time. Some of y'all, it was Friday. Test. You read the question. You think. You answer. A trial. You do the same thing. You review the situation. You think. You trust. We don't slow down enough sometimes in trials to recognize what God's trying to do, which is require dependence. He wants us to respond with trust in him. He wants us to respond in a way that says, God, I have nothing else but you. That's why I can have joy in this trial. That's why I can make it through this trial, because you have a plan. I need perseverance. You offer it, and it doesn't come Easy. It comes with a high cost of trial and tribulation. You see, we can trust the God who is overall. You are not alone. That's what dependence means. It means you're putting your faith and your hope that he will keep you to the end. That you will persevere because of him, not because of yourself. This test is really a load-bearing test. I was thinking about this yesterday as we went to ride bikes. I grabbed Kennedy's bikes. And y'all know the uh, little test you do on the wheels. Not that it really makes any difference, but we all push down. 
just to see how much air there is in that tire. Like we have this exact computer in our mind that's like, yep, that's about 27 PSI. It's good. Right? Or maybe it's a truck. That GVWR, that gross vehicle weight rating on your truck where you're like, okay, 7,800 pounds. I wonder if I can get 8,000 in there. Hmm. It's a load-bearing test. It's something that's done for you, to you, for your good. So that maybe this trial right now seems hard, but when you make it through it, now all of a sudden that next trial doesn't seem so hard. Dependence here hinges on your faith. Look at it. It's right in the center of the passage. Verse 2, verse 3, faith is almost the exact middle word in the passage. And then you have verse 4. Dependence hinges on faith. It doesn't depend on you. It depends on your faith. The object of your faith is Christ. That's what allows you to have joy. It's that faith that is tested. It's that faith that's tested that produces endurance. And it's that faith that's, that needs perfecting. You see, nobody in this room has perfect faith. If we trust in our health, if we depend on our wealth, if we're more worried about our comfort and our happiness, if we put all of our hope in people, then yeah, when trials come your way, they're going to blow up in your face. But if the object of our faith is the man, Christ Jesus, then we will recognize his ongoing work in our life. We will persevere. We will make it to the light that we can barely see at that long black tunnel. You see, we cannot endure. We cannot make it to the end without trials. So we have no choice. We must trust him. We must trust that he's doing what he says he's going to do. And we can use our experience here. Remember past trials. If you're in one right now, think back to a tough one that you went through. You're still here. You're stronger. You're more Christ-like. He has brought you closer to completion. It's not like the projects in my garage, right? This is a project that will get finished. There is an end date. He knows it. Somewhere on you, he has stamped an end date. Haven't found it yet, but there is one. And we persevere and we push through to the end, remembering how much stronger he's making us every day in a trial. Truths to trust. Trials require dependence. It doesn't mean that you completely understand everything that's going on. It doesn't mean that you have all the answers. It doesn't mean that you'll know why God is doing something in your life. It does mean that One unfortunate event will not destroy you. It does mean that you're relying on God to carry you. It does mean that you acknowledge you need him. It does mean that you recognize that you have work left to be done. I love music. And one of the, I guess, Christian rap groups that I listen to is called Beautiful Eulogy. They have a wonderful line in their song that says this. In the depths, in the depths of my weakness is where strength gets perfected. See, I don't know that we're called to be super strong in trials. I think we're called to be super weak and trust in God and put our hope and our strength in Him.
We often want to pull our bootstraps up and get through it and make it happen. But God loves weakness. He loves your weakness and dependence on him. So, a truth that you can count on. Trials require dependence on the God of the universe. Truth number three comes in verse four. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The text says, producing endurance through the testing of your faith is not enough. It's not just enough for endurance to be produced. We have to get out of the way. We have to, as the text says, let endurance have its perfect result. Let endurance have its full effect. Let God finish his wonderful masterpiece. Let God do the work that you're incapable of doing. You see, testing our faith accomplishes steadfastness. So truth number three to trust is that trials perfect your faith. It creates in us an ability to hold up under the most intense pressure. Perfection comes when we get out of the way and we let endurance grow. NLT says, so, and I can't help but think of the new movie coming out, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Let it grow. Let endurance build. Let it get stronger and stronger. I'm not telling you to ask for trials. I'm not going to do that. I am telling you to be ready and prepared and know that they're coming. That whether you're a newborn baby or a 90-year-old man, trials will come your way. But you'll be okay. If your faith and your hope is in Christ, he is doing a work in you that you could never possibly imagine or do yourself. He is testing your faith. He is accomplishing steadfastness. He is giving you the ability to make it to the end. You see, trials are not just certain, but they're necessary to perfect our faith, to develop our endurance. Nothing else will build our perseverance like trials. It's not the only means. We have the word of God. We have prayer. I think we can get other people involved in our lives. But I think this is the biggest thing he uses in our lives to draw us nearer to him. It's necessary. It's necessary that he build us up so that one day we will be complete. When he calls us home, when he returns with a trumpet sound, Y'all, we'll look back and we'll know it was all worth it. That these temporary moment light afflictions are worth a weight of glory in heaven. But it's a process. None of us have arrived. None of us will arrive until God says, done. As I was thinking about the process of trials this week, I went back to my 7th and 8th grade days. I loved photography. My parents can attest to this. I wanted to be in this photography class. Coach Stig 
Stig's Pigs, that was our nickname. It was cool. He taught the photography class. He was a photographer for the paper. And uh, I just, I was mesmerized by photography. And for anybody under probably my age in this room, this wasn't like, hey, selfie, it's on my phone. This was camera, film, dark room. Okay? This was, this was old school. Well, there's a process in film. There's a process. You don't just have this perfect picture, this perfect masterpiece. Even artists today, even uh, photographers today that are actually doing prints, a lot of them still use old film because it's just this process that they enjoy. Well, the process begins by taking a picture of something that you find near and dear or something that you've seen and planned to make this wonderful masterpiece. You've seen the potential for something beautiful in this shot that you've taken. And now you want to turn it into something that everybody can see. So you take your camera and you take your film and you go into complete darkness before you open that camera and take that film out. The film is then placed in a developer bath, a little bin of developer that kind of starts making the image come to light. Then you move it to the stop bath. Makes sense. We want the developing to stop, right? At a certain point, that image has become what we want it to be. That negative is starting to develop. We put it in the stop bath and it finishes. Then we put it in the fixer bath. That's what removes the silver halide. I don't know what that is. (laughs) In each bath, the image is becoming clearer and clearer and clearer. Track with me here. In each trial, the image of Christ in you is becoming clearer and clearer and clearer. Next is the refinement phase. This is where you wash the picture with water and you remove the fixer and any of the watermarks and you hang it to dry. You put it on display. See, that's what he's doing with a lot of us. He's putting us on display for the world to see. He's seen the man or woman that he wants you to be. And he's dipping you in a bath. And he's dipping you in a bath. And he's dipping you in a bath. And then he's going to wash you. We're not talking about the washing of salvation here. We're talking about this sanctification process. He's going to wash you and he's going to hang you up for the world to see you. Right? I'm convinced after being in this passage now that trials might be the most important differentiating factor in our lives from unbelievers. Anybody can moan and groan and not make it through trials. But Christians, we find joy in trial. We find dependence on God in trials. We rejoice in the fact that he is making us what he wants us to be. After it's all said and done, once you've gone through all of those processes with your film, you've got a beautiful photo on display for everybody to see. The most beautiful photo ever, Christ, hanging on the cross for all to see, so that each one of us who believes and trusts in him can be with him forever and eternity. Jesus' own teaching says, Therefore you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So let us not think that he doesn't have a work left to do in us. 
Because I'm pretty sure if I had conversations with all of you, none of us would say we're perfect. Trials are the means to make us perfect. They're the means to complete us. They're the means to mature us. Truth number three to trust. Trials perfect your faith. It's a quote I stumbled upon in one of... uh, One of the commentaries I was in, it says, It is certainly a temptation to jettison endurance, to attempt to escape the path of difficulty. James, however, exhorts the reader to remain in the posture of endurance until the perfect result is attained. I want you to trust God today because I want you to be able to have joy in trials. I want you to trust God today because I want you to be able to depend on him fully and completely. I want you to trust him today because he is doing a work in you that you don't know about. He's perfecting you. He's making you what he wants you to be. It's like his son who's perfect and true. So three truths that I hope you can trust in trials. Trials offer joy. Trials require dependence. And trials perfect faith. Now I think every one of us would say we want to endure trials faithfully. Right? Isn't that what we want? We want to make it through to the end and we want to be super Christian about it. It's hard. Sometimes it feels impossible. Sometimes you wake up and you find yourself in a closet floor screaming, praying. Thankfully, we have a guide. We have Christ. You see, he is perfect, always has been perfect, always will be perfect. Yet he saw fit that he needed to learn obedience And show you the way. He saw fit to humble himself. To leave heaven. To put up with uh, the aches and pains that we have. To put up with temptation. He was complete. He lacked nothing. Yet, he grew in obedience. Suffering. Not crying about it. He cried out to God, but he went to the cross for you, for me, for anyone that would put their faith in him that says, God, I agree, I am a wretched sinner. I am a sinner unworthy of blessed forgiveness. But I believe that your perfect and right gift in Jesus Christ paid my price. And I believe that you want more from me than to stay in my sin. That you want me to follow and chase after you. That you want me to have joy in trials. That you want me to be dependent on you. That you want my faith to be so perfect that every time something happens, I hit my knees in prayer. He offers that to you today. Maybe there's someone here today that has not accepted Christ as their Savior. That doesn't know the truth of who they are and who they need. I would pray that you would consider our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's perfect. He paid the perfect price. 
He offers the perfect plan. Again, no matter who you are in this room, you're probably going through a trial, or you just came out of one, or, got bad news for you, there's one coming. It's not bad news. Tricked you. It's good news. It means that God's working in your life. It means that he loves you. It means that you know him. It means that he is ready and he is willing to carry out the plan that he has set in place. Well, what do I do now, Heath? Well, you turn to God in prayer. We don't pray for necessarily for trials to go away. We pray for faith to increase during them. We don't pray for perseverance to be accomplished. We pray for dependence. We pray for thanksgiving that he is working in us. We pray a prayer of confession that says, Lord, here's where I've failed. Here's where I've not had joy. Here's where I've not followed your ways. We turn to God. He has the answer. He has the plan. He is the way. Brothers and sisters, I want to remind you before we leave today, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have been set apart. You are different. You have been declared righteous, a legal document that affords you a right into heaven. You have been forgiven of all iniquity, Every sin, every transgression, every wrong to your neighbor, every wrong to your spouse, every scream at your kids. He forgives all of those. But you're not finished yet. You're a wonderful masterpiece that's going to hang, or should I say walk, in the halls of heaven. And God's still putting some finishing touches on you. So that you will be perfect and complete And you will be lacking nothing. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you offer us truth and that, and that you hear our cries, Lord. Father, we, we pray today, Lord, that we could honor you with everything that we walk through, that everything that we go through would, we wouldn't get lost in it, Lord, but that we would stop, that we would consider it joy. That we would consider the work that you're doing in us. That we would consider the love that you have for us. A love so great that you were willing to sacrifice your son. Father, let us remember that we are a work in progress today. Help us to remember you are not done with us, Lord. But help us also to remember that you haven't forgotten about us. You're sovereign over everything, Lord. Your plans are not forgotten. So we pray, Lord, today for joy. We pray, Father, for dependence on you. And we pray, Father, that you would use your word today, that you would use the trials that every one of us in this room is going through right now, Lord, that you would use them to be a witness to others, that you would use them as an opportunity to share Christ, that you would use them how you see fit, that we could get out of the way, let endurance run its course, and become the wonderful work of art that you want us to be. 
Father, we pray all of this through your son's precious name. Amen.